like to thank you for being here tonight on a rainy day. You come here with the Word and the Spirit of God have for you today. Before we go any further, there's a young man that has just finished his four-year tour of being in the United States Navy. Around here, we believe we honor patriots, we honor veterans. So, Mr. Eddie Hughes, if you're here, I think you're over here standing. Would you just please stand up? Welcome him home. Thank you so much. Thank you. You may be seated. Speaking of veterans, I too went on this honor flight, and I don't have any pictures. Uh, but I had the opportunity to be with this 90-year-old veteran named Gene. And as I was pushing this veteran around, I kept hearing, uh, thank you guys, thank you veterans, thank you guys. But Gene happened to be a woman, a 90-year-old woman. So we were going into the Capitol. And, I get, and as you're going into the Capitol, you have these interns. They're young and they have their suits and their big ties and everything. But they're only about 24, 23, 22 so as we kept going deeper and deeper into the capital, people started getting older with more bars and more, you know, pins and, and cotton shirts got thicker and gold rings got bigger. So and we're headed somewhere. So I have this lady here and, and I got tired of hearing, you know, welcome guys, thank you guys. And I stopped with this gentleman and I stopped and I said, excuse me, sir, this is Jean. She's 90 years old and she served in World War II. And this is what he said. Thank you for your nurses. And I said, and sir, she happened to be in military police. So I didn't want to be rude, but then I turned around and we, we came into this big room and we pulled her in like this. And the gentleman is right behind me because as soon as we stopped, he is here with a lady. This lady's in civilian clothes and she was pregnant. And he turned and said, this is Major Taylor. And then she stooped down and I was talking to Janie. And she says, thank you so much. For trailblazing the way for women like, like me. I'm going to hope that in that promise. And in that, we realize that Jesus Christ played the ultimate price and trailblazed the way for us. And when he trailblazed the way for us, it's free, but it's not cheap. The freedom that we have in Jesus Christ is free, but it's not cheap. And God did everything today to orchestrate the music and, and called me to be here for you and to tell you that God loves you. And if you've messed it up, He's not done with you yet because you have been redeemed by His blood. He is with you and for you. And I know that in times we have struggles and we have tribulations and we have pressure. But realize that Jesus Christ said that I have denied it power to harm you. So it doesn't say that these tribulations will not come. But realize that you, when you understand your redemption. And you understand what he has done for you. And what he has paid for you. And the thing that he gave was not cheap but free. You can stand with some substance. And these trials and tribulations will not harm you. It doesn't matter what I say. And to a certain degree, and I don't mean these sacrilegious, it doesn't matter what God says. What matters the most is do you believe what God said about you? Because that's where the power is. It's one thing to hear things. It's another thing to take ownership of them. And we go through things. 
I remember my redemption. I went through some things. And today I'm going to share with you a little bit about my life transparently. And here in real life, part 20, maybe 40 or 50, I'm not too sure yet. I am here to tell you about what Pastor Tim has been talking about, about New Testament life application. It's not only to hear what you know, to to understand up here, it's also to apply in your life. And when Pastor Tim asked me to minister, to come up and and, and cover for him, it was was great. But the last time, you remember the lights went out. So so now uh, there's no fire because it's been raining a little bit. So praise the Lord for that. But in this review, he just, we just got done with the, with this series called, uh, Renewing the Mind, Battlefield, Renewing the Mind, and so on and so forth. He talked about darkness which is ignorance or the absence of light, dryness or dissatisfaction, direction, lack of purpose or guidance. And this dialogue, what we call in the counseling department, self-talk, thoughts, the devil's monologue toward you. And then he used the scripture that we're going to key in here and start this message. It's found in Matthew seven, thirteen through 14. As it goes up on the screen, it says this, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult. Everyone say, and difficult. Difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. And this is what I'm... He drew this little divergent, convergent diagram up here. He basically did this. He went here and then he went like this. Do you remember that? And broad is the way to destruction that goes in, but narrow. It narrows you. I'll tell you this. I loved to sin. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I loved smoking and coking and boozing and womanizing and cussing. I loved it. You know what I didn't like is the consequences that came with it. Don't look at me like you don't... Don't make this difficult for me, all right? So all of this stuff, high school, drugs, pornography, all these different things, the more I did it, the more pressure I felt by the consequences. And here it talks about the narrow gate, the way we enter. The way we enter is through Jesus Christ alone. And don't let anybody ever tell you any different. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes unto the Father except through me. There is the narrow gate. Here in this scripture, and if you would put that up again, in verse 14 it says, Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. It is not saying that the gate or the entrance to Jesus Christ is difficult. It's not saying that. That's why I said it's free. Jesus makes it easy to come to him. All you have to do is choose. You don't have to pay indulgences like some religions do or take a pilgrimage. You don't have to do all those things. You just come to the gate. Now watch. But difficult is the way to life. You know why it's difficult? Because a lot of Christians come into this gate, but they live a life over here. They don't want to change. They still like their sin too much. That's what happened to me. I kept going to church on Sunday and got drunk on Monday. But if you're at church and getting drunk on Monday, keep coming to church. 
keep coming. If nobody wants to sit next to you because you have stinky breath and hangover, you can sit right over there next to me if you want. Come on. I'd rather have you in here than keep going out there. What happens is this vicious cycle, vicious cycle. I know I'm saved. I know God loves me, but I can't change my life. It's because you don't understand your redemption. You don't understand the power and the value of the death and the blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As we continue on in this divergent and convergent funnel, the destruction, the dissatisfaction, the dryness versus the convergent funnel, which is direction, destiny, life, and fulfillment. Narrow and difficult are the wor- are, narrow and difficult are the words called hodotheimene, hodotheimene, which means afflicted, a hedge roundabout with restriction. How many of you ever heard of Albert Einstein? He said this, the same level and thinking that caused a problem cannot be the same level of thinking that gives you a solution. A lot of times we come to Christ and think if we keep doing the same thing, it's going to change. But you got to do the right thing in order for it to change. That's what was wrong with my life. So in this word, it basically says that there is a way to life. But difficult and few are those that find it. How many of you know Christians that live defeated lives? I used to be one of those. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect in any way. Uh, you, don't, you don't believe me? You can ask my wife. She'll tell you. I'm not perfect. She'll tell you. Twice on Sunday, she'll tell you. But I had to change my life. But what was happening is I loved God and wanted more of God, but I kept still wanting to drag all my old junk with me. Watch. I kept... Wanting to take my old life with me. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. There's a parable in Mark, in Luke 5, Mark 2, and we, we've heard about it. It talks about these two parables that you cannot put new cloth to patch old clothes. And it says you cannot pour new wine into old wineskins. What happens here, spiritually speaking, you have new clothes. Spiritually speaking, you have new wineskin. It's there. It's yours. God has given it to you. But what happens is in your flesh, in your thinking, in your soul, you still have old cloth and old wineskin. And we keep asking God, God, fill me, bless me, give me finances, show me what to do. But we keep having bad spending habits. We keep living with wrong people. We keep doing wrong things and still expect God to bless us. God forgives you, but only obedience to his word brings you blessing. You guys with me? I'm I'm talking to you about my life, my life. How I applied the word of God to me and it changed. My life changed. And when I get up here and I say, I'm redeemed, and tears come to my eyes, it's because I know I've been changed. I'm not perfect, but I've been changed. I'm redeemed. And I asked Pastor John to sing that song, and he did a great job. He did a great job. Thank you, sir. There's another scripture that will not go on, up on, the, on, the, on the screen, and it says in Mark 10, 25. It talks about that it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's not saying that a camel is going to go through a sewing needle. You know, it's not saying that. 
The eye of a needle was a place around a wall in Jerusalem that when it became night, they would close the gates. And then the camels would come from caravan and they weren't expecting them. What would happen is these camels would have to squat down and they would have to unload all these things that the camel had in it so it could go through the eye of the needle. So then every piece of package that would come into the city, they would investigate. They would look into it. Sounds like today's airports. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But it's saying this, that when a rich man puts his trust in riches and doesn't need God, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And let me tell you this, if you want God to bless you, you have to enter through Jesus Christ. And when you enter, there's certain things that Jesus is going to say, you know what? You have eternal life, but if you want blessing and life on the earth, you're going to have to get rid of that. That can't come in here. And that's why we live a defeated life. Because we enter into this gate that's free, but we never go forward in life because we have so much baggage. Baggage. My dad was killed in a car accident when I was three years old. The only influence that I had on life was his dad. He went to prison for murdering a man. And these are the images that I dealt with in my life. And then when I became a Christian, I became this wound up, tight, legalistic, religious, no freedom. It was life. You ever met a Christian like that? And I felt God calling me into the ministry. But guess what? I had to unleash some baggage. I had to understand that the redemption that God had given me, there was a great exchange. That I gave him what I had and he gave me what he had. Isn't that good? And it's not about me. I'm just trying to share with you. And I have a, a friends of mine. They're right over here, Mr. and Mrs. Cups. They were part of our uh, Philippians Bible study group. And we had a great time studying the book of Philippians. And there is something that happens to us when we start to serve God. It's kind of like the Jews that became Christians. It was a word called Judaizer. They came to the knowledge of God and were excited. But then slowly but surely they started reverting back to the things of the law. Don't do this. Don't do that. And you know who was at fault too? Peter, one of the disciples was at fault. In the book of Galatians it says that Paul confronted Peter to his face and said, what's wrong with you? You started like this and now you're winding up like that. First you didn't eat with them, now you do. What's your problem? Now you don't invite them back in. There's something wrong with you. And this is our apostle and one of the disciples that walked with Jesus. And sometimes in our life, because of guilt, you know what we do? We go back to our old habits because we feel not worthy. And then we come here and we pray and we think, well, God's not hearing me. And there's that cycle again. I'm not praying good enough. So we start to do, we start to pray more. And we start to read the Bible more. And we start to go through these religious calisthenics. Did I say that right? Calisthenics. It's a calisthenics, you know, it's a Spanglish. You get it. (laughs) But God wants you to not live this legalistic lifestyle. We're going to pick it up in Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. In the minutes that I have left, I will share this with you. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, it reads like this. Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. We're going to stop right there. That word rejoice is the word kairo, kairo. 
And this word Cairo is, is the beginning of a letter. To give greeting or to salute someone because they were endeared to this heart, to their heart. It also means to be calmly well because of something that has been said. So this Cairo is a blessing. It's a hello, how are you? Be calmly glad because of something that's been said. When you have inside information, guess what? You can be calm about it. Now here we go on and says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it is what? And it says, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. It's not talking about Fido with four legs, okay? It's talking about the, uh, the Judaizers. Beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision. One translation says, the true circumcision. It says, who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the what? Flesh. This second word here is the word kaukau omae. Don't ask me to repeat it again. It means to vault, to make big. With reason to boast because of something known and understood. When you have inside information, Paul said, hey, I'm going to tell you again. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say again unto you. So it's nothing that they've forgotten. He said, I'm going to tell you again because it's safe for you to remind you. And then it's going on to tell us here that we have to be careful of who we listen to and who we hang around with. See, when you have some insider in, inside information, somebody can be telling you, hey, the sky is purple, but you know it's blue. You don't have to. I just know there is a calm, gladness. It's a derivative of peace. But then it goes on to say, now because you know this, you should rejoice and exalt God because you're not how you used to be. Now, I say that to say this. You have to understand that what you receive is not based on your performance. What you receive from Christ Jesus is based on your redemption that you understand what He has done for you at Calvary. Watch. Here, we go in a vicious cycle because we feel condemned or not good enough. It's quiet in this church right now. And we go in this cycle, but when you understand that you can be calm in the midst of any storm, because you know something, you can have strength and endurance to deal with it. Here, you see this? Soda. I used to love me some soda. Soda. Looks good. And you try to squeeze these. There's some resistance. What if I were to shake these things up? Do you think there'd be more resistance? There'd be some more resistance. But sometimes people can look like they're all right, but then they're right in the midst of us because they have nothing on the inside of them. These tribulations come. These emotions come. They're still, in the, they're still redeemed. They're in the pack. They're in the family of God. But they don't understand their righteousness. They don't understand that they've been redeemed. And when hell breaks loose, they complain to all the other six-pack. And they say, oh, God doesn't love me. Well, can I ever be used of God? 
pretty strong. Let's crush it some more. And then all of a sudden, Pastor Tim told us this. When there's darkness, we have no sense of direction. We have no sense of purpose. We drift. When we have no light, we don't know where we're going. But if you know whose you are, what you have, what he can do in you and through you. I don't care if you've been a murderer. I don't care if you've been a prostitute. I don't care if you've been a drug addict. Do you? I don't care. The blood of Jesus washes all that away. Washes it all away. Rejoice. Everyone say rejoice. It says in Philippians 3, 4, and 6, the next passage of Scripture says, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, Paul said that he had confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm more so. I'm circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, of Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee of Pharisees, concerning zeal, persecuted in the church, concerning the righteousness which is of the law, blameless. There is a righteousness that comes from the law. But it's not the same type of righteousness that God through Jesus Christ gave you. The righteousness of the law is all based on the outside. The righteousness that comes by faith is based on the inside. There is a righteousness to the law, but it's all external, never satisfied, never ending, because the flesh is never satisfied. Never satisfied. I was about to say something, but thank God for the Holy Spirit that puts a guard over your mouth. <laughs> Matthew five seventeen, Jesus said this. Do not think that I have come to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill it. If it's already fulfilled, why are we trying to keep it? The temptation of Old Testament man was to break the law. The temptation of New Testament man is to keep the law. Oh, you didn't hear that. Old Testament man's temptation was to break the law. The temptation of New Testament man is to keep it. We shouldn't keep it. It's already been fulfilled. In Philippians 3, 7 and 9, it goes on to say, But what things were gained to me? This is Paul saying, I have count them lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for this, for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. My Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as what? One translation says dung. You know what that means in the Greek? Dung. (laughs) And it says that I may gain Christ. Now watch this. It does not mean that he has to work in order to enter the gate. What he's talking about here, that he needs to understand what Jesus Christ is in his life so he can experience the life God wanted for him. It has nothing to do with works for salvation, but it has to do with effort to receive blessing. We've heard here many, many times that grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. And a lot of times we want to earn something that already belongs to us. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm redeemed. We understand that the knowledge of Christ, the Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing and hearing by the word of God. In Matthew 11, 29, it says this, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. That's the excellence of his knowledge. Learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And this is what we're all looking for. Rest unto your souls. That's what we really want. 
We want the devil to leave us alone. Well, here's some breaking news. The devil is not going to leave you alone. He's not. But when he comes, if you have rest in your soul and understand your righteousness and understand that you've been redeemed and understand the blood of Jesus Christ makes you whole, you have something. Watch this. To withstand him. You have something on the inside of you. But when we're negative, we use our own words to speak against our own hope. When we feel defeated, we feel isolated and alone. But you're not. It says this. In verse 9 of Philippians chapter 3, it says this. And now be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. And I said all this to say this again. It's not about right doing. It's about right believing. It's not about right doing, even though that has its place. Don't misunderstand me. Reading the Bible, prayer has its place. But if you don't understand why you do it, you'll do some religious kind of pattern and you'll just do it thinking God will love you more because you read and you pray the Bible. Uh Uh-uh. When I understand that I've been redeemed, that I have strength, that I have angels and the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me, that I have weapons of warfare that are not carnal, but mighty through God. For the pulling down, when I read the Bible, it speaks to me. It speaks to me. No, no. The Bible will speak to you. It'll talk to you. You know what? You just need to stop lying. You know what? You need to marry that woman and make her respectable and honored in the eyes of God. You know what? You need to stop coming to church and then sleeping around. The Bible will speak to you. Because it spoke to me, and it still speaks to me. And sometimes I got to go, oh, I hope that's for my wife, because I didn't. (laughs) And here's one of the last passages as we are closing here. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 17. And it says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, Here's the thing that gets me. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, we now, yet now we know Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is what? A new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God is not concerned with behavior modification. God wants life transformation. It is not about doing right, it's about believing right. When you feel that you're in darkness and your life is being destroyed, realize that on the inside of you is the redemptive quality of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the difference between conversion and discipleship. Conversion gets you into heaven. Discipleship gets you blessed on the earth. Here's the last scripture, Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by what? By right believing. 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom we also have access by what? By the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. By faith into this grace wherein we stand. We stand. We stand. Say that with me. I stand. Say I stand. And it says this, continuing on, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I stand because I have access by faith into grace is with me. And all hell's breaking loose. But guess what? I have hope that God's going to work on my behalf. He's going to work on my behalf. I have something on the inside. An old hymn used to say, something on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a joy in my life. I better stop. I'm going to break out my Pentecostal hanky. You ready, Tommy? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, with whom we all have access by faith into grace, where we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, that, but we also glory in tribulation. We glory in tribulation, not because something's happening, because I know God's going to work for me. It says, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. If I leave you with anything today, is realize that you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That you need to have the word of God as final authority in your life. There are no ifs, ands, or buts. There are no shortcuts. But there is mercy and there is grace. When I fell on my face, I got back up. And I fell on my face and I got back up. Because the book of Micah says this, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. For in my darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. It's good to know what the Bible says. Realize that you are God's workmanship. That you are somebody in Christ Jesus. The Message Bible says this, and I promise, this is the last scripture. It should go up. Philippians 3, 10 and 14, it says, I gave up all that inferior stuff. So I could know Christ personally. Experience his resurrection power. Be a partner in his sufferings. And go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any, any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. I'm not saying I have it all together. That I, may, uh, that I have it made. But, in all, but I am well on my way. Reaching out for Christ. Who has so wonderfully, wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on the goal. Where God is beckoning me or us onward to Jesus. I'm running off. I'm off and running. And I'm not turning back. That's good stuff. Did you receive something tonight? I don't know about you, but I did. I preached myself happy tonight.